Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. Monday edition is here. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Paul Kuharski back with us a bit later this week, hopefully. What a weekend of football. Great weekend atop the SEC with the top game being Tennessee and Florida, A&M and Arkansas. We're going to break down those games. Week three across the NFL, plenty of storylines as well from the East Coast to what happened in Miami with Buffalo to out West with the Jags over the Chargers. We're here for you over the next three hours talking all things football. Chad, good afternoon. Congratulations. Thank you. Big win for Tennessee over Florida. We're going to talk about that as the the biggest game of the college football weekend. It was one of those weekends that while a ton happened, it flew by because there were big matchups on Saturday. There were surprising outcomes, a couple very surprising outcomes to me on Sunday. So it was a fun football weekend. And here's what we're going to do on this show. We're going to talk football for the next three hours. There is so much to get into. We are just going to be scratching the surface of what we're going to be talking about football-wise throughout the week as well. So this is going to be a fun day of reaction to what was in some ways a surprising weekend, especially the NFL, but a big one across the board. Tennessee gets it done over Florida, 38-33. It didn't come easy. It's never easy against the Gators. But Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker, and the offense do its part. The depth at wide receiver shows up uh, w- without Cedric Tillman available in this game. And defensively, they did just enough. Somehow did just enough uh, to bat away a pass and pick it off at the very end um, on a final drive after an onside kick recovery by the Gators. What a scene at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. Well, I made the mistake of, you know, fooling myself into believing that going up 17 with five and a half minutes left, that the game was probably (laughs) over at that point and and, uh, maybe celebrating at that time. And then you knew it would come down to that. It was going to take Tennessee. And almost in this series, it, it almost feels like a better thing that they had the chance to lose and didn't instead of just winning going away because they had to get over that mental hurdle because, at least for Tennessee fans, they've seen that time and time again where Florida makes the play. Of course, Byron Young gets to Anthony Richardson. He throws it 10 yards short of the end zone. Tennessee picks it off. Ball game. Big takeaways from this game, though, for me. We buried Anthony Richardson too early uh, after a, oh, a, no. good, a good Utah I performance. Okay. I, you, and I, you and I disagree on this. I did not think Richardson. Uh, Richardson played okay. Richardson was not nearly to the level you were describing with some of the passes he was missing early. They, they had a deficit early because Richardson did some things that Hendon Hooker was capable of that he's not throwing the football-wise. Well, Hendon Hooker was far better. Yeah, they, they didn't have a deficit till uh, six seconds left in the first half, so they, they got off to a pretty good start offensively. Tennessee was good on offense throughout the day. Uh, you know, they, they shot themselves in the foot with the early turnover, but they, they didn't punt. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't think we've buried Richardson. Richardson is in a different class. Uh, he's a, a step below where we've seen Hendon Hooker uh, in, well, in terms of top quarterbacks in the conference. There are three or four of those guys, and surprisingly, Stetson Bennett's in that group. And then after that, Richardson's in that group where you're just not really sure. I don't put Will Levis in that group either, by the way. No. Richardson's there I, with them. And look, I'll get to Hooker. Um, I haven't even gotten to him yet. He was outstanding. But Anthony Richardson, the game plan we knew going in was cage rush him. Don't let him get out of the pocket. Yeah. Don't let him beat you with his legs. Stop the running backs for Florida. Don't let them beat you. Tennessee, check and check. They did that. Make him beat you throwing the football. And he did. 453 yards passing, two touchdowns, 24 for 44 through the air. Now that's in part because Tennessee's secondary is not good. And he was hitting guys wide open. Now I also saw him drop it in the bucket on a fourth and two deep yeah. down the field in, in good coverage. But he, he started made 11 plays. For 20. Yeah, no, percentage-wise, that's where we're going to get to Hooker, the big difference between the yes. two. But he made plays I didn't know he was capable of making throwing the ball a few times in this game. So that was a nice step in the right direction for Anthony Richardson, who we started to bury because he had been bad. Bad against Kentucky, made the crucial mistakes, didn't really make the crucial mistakes other than the fumble in this game. That was, I think, Hutton, the biggest turning point mm-hmm. of the game. When that happened, when you yeah. saw Josh Heupel's excitement on the sideline, he knew, well, we're, our offense is going to go score a touchdown and go up 17. They needed one thing to happen It was on like defense. the Bama game for Tennessee last year. Right. They needed a fourth down stop or they needed a turnover at some point, and that was going to swing the game, and ultimately that was the difference in the game. That and Billy Napier's decision to go for two twice, which I don't understand mathematically, because if he kicks the extra point twice, they're kicking a field goal to tie it and send it in overtime after getting the onside kick. Now on to Hendon Hooker. This is where I'll agree with you. Different level. Different level of efficiency when you go 22 for 28 for 349, two touchdowns, and here's the big one. What did we say all week about Hendon Hooker in this offense? To beat the good teams, he's going to have to take off and run at some Mm -hmm. point. I thought he killed Florida on the ground. Maybe the second biggest offensive play of the game was where he avoided a sack, took off to the left for 40 yards on a run. That was a big moment. Biggest offensive play of the game to me was from a backup receiver who's only in the game because Cedric Tillman is hurt. Ramel Keaton laying out for that ball was what a, remarkable. Amazing catch. I don't know how amazing you go catch. full extension fingertips and get it into your body without the ball bobbling at all when you hit the ground the way he did. It was a remarkable catch. That, I saw that and I said, that is a play that Florida has made in this series over the last 17 years. Yeah. Right? Yes. With a guy you've never heard of, but he's wearing the Gators helmet and he makes that play. Tennessee made those plays on Saturday. And, and the other factor about Hendon Hooker that remains true and why I put him in a class with the top in the, in the conference, he does not turn the football over. Even at his worst, which is still good, He does not turn the football over in bad moments. He protects the football. You don't get extra possessions with him. You do with Anthony Richardson. So Hooker, to me, was the X factor in a game that comes down to just heady play, veteran play, and they were calm, cool, and collected. And and by the way, Josh Heupel, in a game where I I felt like both teams, this is a good football game. This is a fun college football game. Great atmosphere. I felt like Josh Heupel... And what they did offensively, scheming guys open, which has become the routine, 
was phenomenal. I, I liked the aggressive nature of Florida early on from Billy, Billy Napier, but you knew just based on how that first quarter was playing out, he's just begging to get it in the fourth quarter, one possession with his offense having the ball, with a chance to go drive and needing a touchdown to win. Like that, that to me was his goal all along. He got there. He got there at the very end, the long, hard way. But him go, being very aggressive on fourth down, where I, a lot of people have said, oh, I'd kick the field goal, go up 3 nothing in that series. He's telling you his defense sucks. His defense now in three of the last four games has allowed 34 points or more. Um, they, Tennessee put up 38 against the Gators. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I like what I saw from Tennessee's offense that showed up and did not play up or down to their opponent based on who they were facing and all the hype around it. Alan in our YouTube chat said, Hooker was 22 for 28, not 22 for 48. I said 22 for 28, I'm pretty sure, when talking about his efficiency. Yeah, the... Hook, uh, Richardson was, was 24 for 44. Yes. Was the one that was in the 40s uh, in passing attempts. I, I think Josh Heupel called a, a great game, and Tennessee had a great scheme going into it. And I'll say this for Billy Napier, his going forward on fourth down, while it worked a lot... I don't see that as much as a confident sign in your offense as a lack of confidence in them ever stopping Tennessee. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like yeah, I, they, in the very beginning, it was very much, we've got to go for it on every fourth down. If fourth and eight from our own 27, we're going in the third quarter because that's what we have to do because they're just going to score touchdowns. Uh, that is a big compliment to Josh Heupel and the Tennessee offense. Here's the other thing about Tennessee in this game that they haven't been able to do this year. They ran the ball. Mm-hmm. Jabari Small had success. Jalen Wright had success running the ball. That was a big key. And it was Hendon Hooker's ability to run that kind of opened things up. That first drive that ended in a Tennessee fumble, they didn't hand it off once. They went to the air or they had Hendon Hooker run it on a quarterback draw. That was a great way to start the game schematically to kind of knock Florida off balance, not ever handing it off. Then they got the running game going with their running backs. Very impressed with Tennessee's offense. Tennessee's defense, their defensive line, I think was okay. Their linebackers were okay at times. Secondary is a huge problem. But with that offense, Hutton, they're going to be in every game, even against the best well, competition, because they're going to keep scoring. Well, and the, the other thing about Hooker, while we're just we're, we're scratching the surface on his performance here, um, 17 touchdown passes, four rushing scores, a completion percentage of over 70%. It's hard to really summarize in just one stat – what this offense does and what he does within it. Saturday, watching him play throughout, I'm thinking over the last two decades of this rivalry, it's hard to find a better top-to-bottom quarterback performance for Tennessee than what we saw from Hendon Hooker against Florida Saturday. Combine that with the atmosphere at Neyland, phenomenal college football Saturday. Not just for, for Tennessee, just for the SEC. You know, you've got... Tennessee back climbing the hill. You've got uh, Florida, who deservedly so has some hype that I wasn't expecting this late into the season, four four games in, just based on the fact that the the negative nature of how things ended a year ago with Mullen, how that team flat out quit in November inside the locker room to now what they're doing with some of the playmakers. I, I, I want to say this, too, for Hendon Hooker. Um, I, I think he should be right there at the top. I know he's fourth right now. I'd put him first or second for Heisman at this point in the season, fully realizing that it's going to end up going to someone in the college football playoff. And yeah. It's probably going to go to C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young again yes. because they're going to quarterback a team, or even Stetson Bennett. 
who's going to continue to put up great numbers. They're going to be quarterbacking teams that will be in the college football playoff. But I'll ask you this question, and all of our listeners, viewers, everyone, Hutton, how many quarterbacks in America would be capable of that performance without a top-five receiver in college football that has been their safety net throughout the season? And I, I, I combine it with not just the efficiency passing to go with not just dumping the ball off, throwing the ball deep mm-hmm. and connecting some. They have. Everything involved plus 100-plus yards rushing. Who's capable of that? They hit, they've hit on 15 passing plays of 28 yards or more in four games. 36 passing plays of 30 yards or more in his 17 games within this offense. 26 of 39 yards or more. 26 plays, 39. Big, explosive plays. And in the game, Tennessee hit on plays of 21 yards, 18, 16, 17, 70, 19, 43, 39, 16, 28, 44, 16, 45. Chunk plays that were the difference in the ball game. Florida wasn't getting those chunk plays. And... Tennessee's totally capable of it, regardless of who they're playing. It's uh, it's a fun brand, um, you know. At some point, I know that some some fans, some media members are pointing to the the Vols defense, and rightfully so in some cases. At some point, they're going to have to slow things down and run some clock. When you look at the play discrepancy, when you look at the amount of plays that the Georgia defense has played, based on what their offense is now capable of compared to how fast Tennessee scores and the number of plays that the Vols defense has been out there, it's nearly 100 plays different. They also don't look comfortable when they're running that four-minute offense and slowing it down. They had a delay of game. They had to burn a timeout yeah. to stop a delay of game. There are other times where they snap it a little bit early. It's like they, they freak out you know, when they're standing over the ball for too long yeah. and not snapping it, and they get, they get a little <laughs> crazy, and they well, want to not milk the at. clock. Yeah. yeah, well, even the fourth down, you know, if I had one critique – on, on Josh Heupel, the fourth and three play where Tennessee's just moving the ball at will and one first down ends it. And they, they, they get, a, what, a half a yard short because they throw it a yard short of the sticks yes. to the least mobile guy on your offense, <laughs> tight end Princeton Fant. You've got to throw the ball past the sticks or run it in that situation if you're Tennessee. I think either one of those probably gets you the first down. Uh, so that would be my one criticism. I thought they were a little bit better taking the clock down late in the game in this one, trying to milk some clock, but still look very uncomfortable slowing it down at times. I've watched a lot of Tennessee football in my lifetime. This is the best offense I've ever seen from Tennessee, and I've watched Peyton Manning quarterback this team. I've watched Heath Shuler. I watched T. Martin win a national title. This is the best. This is the most productive, most fun to watch, most explosive You've got to be watching them at all times because something crazy might happen offense that, that I've ever seen. And it is led by a guy who is now squarely in the Heisman Trophy conversation. So defensively, here, here's your play differential. Uh, Georgia, number one, just based on the conference, Georgia's number one in the conference uh, defensively. Their opponents average 4.53 yards per play. They have seven takeaways. That's not number one, but it's number two behind LSU and Tennessee, um, who are both tied with eight. But total defensive plays, Tennessee has eight takeaways. They've been on the field for 310 snaps. Georgia has been on the field for 227. That's a huge discrepancy and why you may see down the road Tennessee in some closer ball games because they're in shootouts. Well, they if there's one thing that I can say about the coaching of the defense with Tennessee, it's a, it's a mindset that they take on offense they need to take to defense. And here's what I mean by that. 
There were nine times that Florida faced a third and nine or more in this game, and they converted seven of those nine. Now, three of them, they didn't get the first down, but they got a yard short and went for it and got an easy fourth down or two yards short. They're getting there because Tennessee cannot play zone. You cannot drop zone in this defense with that secondary when you're not getting the quarterback rushing three or four. You got to heat them up. I mean, that has got a third and nine, third and long. That is a down where you get immediate pressure on the quarterback because someone's coming unblocked and take your chances. If they're, if, if they're pulling a Keaton Slovis and Pitt and they happen to hit the guy who's open quickly and get hit for it, so be it. But sitting back in the zone is not going to work for Tennessee. Riding this offense and Hendon Hooker, though, will continue to work for the Vols. Very impressed with that win. And again, I know we differ on this, Hutton. I'm impressed with Anthony Richardson's bounce back in the passing game, even though that completion percentage still leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I mean, I thought if they had more confidence in him, they would have opened it up more with some of the success in the, in the Tennessee well, secondary, and they chose not I'll to. I'll give him this, too. He threw two pick sixes, I think, against Kentucky that really lost them the game. He didn't throw one interception. So that's a positive for Anthony Richardson in this game. I, I don't even remember a time he got close to really throwing an interception. Now, that could be a statement about Tennessee's secondary, also, but at least he didn't throw it in harm's way. And, and credit to Florida, I thought you know they were well prepared. They they fought hard, played hard. They uh, they played to win. Uh, Tennessee though gets over the hump there, Chad, uh, for the now second time in eighteen seasons they have a victory over the University of Florida. Coming up, A and M beats Arkansas. For the life of me, I thought we would have won this bet where Arkansas beats A&M. It was the opposite. College football craziness continues as well. Oklahoma falls. Miami falls. We'll run through all the big college headlines next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Coming up, we'll recap week three across the NFL. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Chad still has the old smoky pickles in front of him. I don't know if he'll ever open those again. Um, oh, I'll open it again. You okay. kidding me? I mean, let's get deeper into the week. You know, I feel like that's something that just started like a Wednesday. Or the show. Maybe that could be our official, you know, we're going to get over the hump while Chad eats this pickle. And all that's right. how we're all going to show that we're over the hump of the week and headed towards the weekend. 
I don't think it's a Monday thing. Yeah, Davey, do you want to go get some cherries? What they also their, have peaches. What other berry options do we have out there, Davey? We do need to change it up at some point. Um, I don't know what we're going in terms of association by putting pickles in front of me every day, but I'll let, leave that up to the viewer, yeah. whether or not you like it. But I think you know maybe you know uh, some cherries in front of me one day could also they be have, good. Uh, they have plenty of options here. Uh, over 20 flavors on the shelves for Old Smoky Moonshine, plus a variety of beer options as well. Everything made right here on site with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Hutton, Moonshine. I'm not a quitter also, so I do feel like before we change that, I should finish all the pickles. Yes. So maybe... Uh, good. I think we should up the consumption to two a week <laughs> just to get through this thing quickly. I'm trying to count how many pickles are in here right now. you probably got, what, seven 10, more? 12? Maybe seven or eight. I don't think it's even 10 or 12. It's not 10 yet. I think we'd be through this thing in two or three weeks if I pick it up. Or days. Or hours. Could be. Based on uh, what Chad's feeling like by Friday. I mean, if I finish that, I, I would be inebriated if I finished that <laughs> in one sitting. But um, yeah, I mean, two a day? Sure. Take a look at the uh, AP Top 25. Uh, there is a glaring omission that I want to get to in a moment, but... Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan remain your top four teams. Clemson wins in overtime over Wake. They are at five. Southern Cal, Kentucky, and then Tennessee jumps into the top ten at eight. Oklahoma State and NC State round out the top ten. Chad, if I'm voting here, I can't put Kentucky seventh. That's number one. They... They win games, but man, it looks like a struggle. They do not look like a top 10 team. It looks like a struggle with Kentucky. Now, winning's all that matters. Winning is just ask Texas. There are no moral victories for playing close in certain games with like Alabama. When you lose by one and then you turn around and lose to Texas Tech, no one's talking about your close game against Alabama. Winning matters. So Kentucky does that. And they did have that nice victory over Florida. Defensively, they show up and they are very consistent. But man, it just looks like a struggle. I'm, I'm intrigued by the the head-to-head matchup that we'll get with both Georgia and Kentucky and Tennessee, Kentucky coming up. But um, hey, I'm intrigued by Kentucky Ole Miss this week. Well, That's sure. going to say a lot about both these teams. Uh, seven versus fourteen. When you look at the Rebels right now, well, and there's more of an emphasis on defense now for Kiffin. That's probably an indictment of his offense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, honestly, when you look at Kentucky and Tennessee, Kentucky's got the nice win at Florida where they pulled away in a sort of defensive battle where Richardson was bad. Um, they get the benefit of being the team more highly thought of coming into the season mm-hmm. right now. That's yeah. why they're seven versus Tennessee. Because Tennessee has been far more impressive against the inferior opponents on their schedule right. than what Kentucky's been. Now, ask the question that I know you and I both have about this top 25. I've got a second one to add to it. Yeah, so first first glance here, you'll look through the top 25. Kansas is 4-0. The Jayhawks win again. They beat unbeaten Duke at home. And Kansas is not represented. Now, they are ranked 26th in the country, but they're not in the top 25. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why. When I look at this list especially with uh, some of the other teams that still remain in the top 25. Kansas State's fine. Uh, Pitt's still there. But, Chet, look around here and tell me where Kansas isn't deserving of being in the same breath, especially considering that over the last three weeks we have seen teams rewarded 
for remaining unbeaten and continuing the progress of moving up the ladder? Well, here's here's why I really have a problem with it also. Teams that already have a loss that's in the top 25. Utah lost to Florida. Oregon got whipped by Georgia. Losing to Georgia is no crime, but Georgia put it on them to a criminal extent and they to dropped, open the season. And they dropped out and then came back in. And they had a nice win th- this weekend, I know, against Washington State, whatever. Them at 13 doesn't make much sense to me. A&M at 17 doesn't make a lot of sense, even after yeah. a nice win where it looked like <laughs> their season could fall apart down 14 nothing. That was a nice win for them. We're going to talk about it. BYU with a loss already. Baylor with a loss already. Pitt with a home loss to Tennessee, albeit a very good game in overtime. But they're at well, 24. Ole Miss is rewarded based on their week schedule. Yeah, Wake Forest with the close loss against Clemson hangs on in the top 25. Kansas should be in the top 25. Here's the one that's a real mystery to me. How is Minnesota only 21st in the country? Mm. They went into Saturday as the number two overall offense in America and the number two overall defense. I know the schedule was weak up into that point, but they just went and beat Michigan State badly on the road, 34-7 to against a Mel Tucker coach team. We like to talk about how much money Mel, Mel Tucker yeah, makes. $9.5 million. 34-7 punished them on the road. Minnesota's underranked right now based on what they've done. They're, they're underrated because they've had a great season so far. Well, they, they are, to me, the clear-cut favorite in the Big Ten West. And Mel point. Tucker's a good coach, but he's stealing money off yes. of last season based yes. on early results and early returns where you know they're having to work on their sleep patterns to go to the West Coast. Seriously? And yeah. they, they lose that game, not close. Um, and then return, and I'm thinking, all right, they're back home. They're hosting Minnesota. This isn't this isn't hosting Michigan or Ohio State, right? They're hosting Minnesota, and I believe they're the home dog by what two and a half points. Yes, Minnesota. Minnesota was a slight favorite, I believe. And we went through this, and I, I saw yeah. the. I'm like, there's no way with Mel Tucker at home with that with the run game, the way they play deep. Surely they're beating Min. No, not not even competing against Minnesota. I learned more about the way Michigan State looks right now than I did Minnesota. I still look at Minnesota and think, ah, there's, there's some gimmicks to that that I don't trust. But based on the results, return on investment, how can you not row the boat and put them a little higher with where they are? Well, and this is where, you know, the, the AP picks and chooses where they're going to reset after one week. Right. And sometimes someone might, you know, Florida jumped up to the top now. 12 yeah. right after one week, and they were out of the top 25. But I hate when you have these hanger-ons of programs that were highly rated to start yep. and have not looked the part that I feel like it, it may not sound like that big of a deal to some. Kansas in the top 25 is a big deal to Kansas. I mean, ask any Jayhawks fan how well, big of a deal that would be to be ranked, and I think that they should be ranked right now at 4-0 in the way they've looked this season. A win over West Virginia, who just beat Virginia Tech badly on Friday night, uh, or Thursday night, one of the two, but either way, that's a good win. Win at Houston, a nice win. Beating Duke at home. That's a nice win for Kansas. They should be on the tail end of that top 25. Minnesota closed uh, giving no, yeah, giving three points on the road this weekend. So they were a three-point favorite. Yeah, and I'm thinking there's no way the Spartans lose this game. Take the underdog at home here in the Big Ten. Not a chance. 34-7. 34-7. That's an eyebrow. So uh, and a great example here last week. Middle Tennessee goes on the road to Miami and doesn't just 
whip the Hurricanes, but like does it decisively by halftime. You're looking around going, what's going on with Miami? Miami's 25th in the country. They are not the 25th best team in the country last week. You know, that's fool's goal based on what we saw on the road at College Station. Granted, a tough environment to go play in, but not a tough team to play against this year with A&M, with their quarterback play. Defense is good. We saw defense step up again for the Aggies. But that Miami team, coming off that loss, to then lose to MTSU 30 minutes down the road, my alma mater. Congratulations uh, to you, Who, who lost way. to James Madison 44 Which, to 7 over the, the way, year. James Madison looks really good. Well, I, <laughs> they just won at App State I, this I, weekend. I told you. I told you on Friday, watch yes. out for James Madison and App State because everyone was on board with the Mountaineers and they have been the Cinderella story for three, three and a half weeks. And James Madison's good. They, their quarterback from Colorado State can sling it. And he did it again against a good Appalachian State defense matching them. And what was a fun game? Point being, uh, middle picks up a huge upset and it's one that they'll hang on the wall for sure and, and they should but man what an indictment of a hurricanes program returning home there was a weather delay in this which is typical for september i mean everything's playing their advantage you see how buffalo played in miami yesterday in the nfl yeah hot sluggish cramping up they look tired middle goes down there and beats miami and doesn't just beat them here's head coach rick stock still reacting to the win the blue raiders had over the hurricanes it's always fun to do stuff that nobody thinks you can do. Coming down here, 26-point dogs and uh, kicking their butt like we did because it was a butt kicking. There was no fluke to this. Just really proud of our team, the toughness that we played with. We were the tougher team here tonight, mentally and physically, and we got after them. Just really proud of our team, man. We never flinched. That's what I'm proud of our team about. Knock these suckers off. There's Rick Stockstill, who, uh, whose program earned the athletic program $1.5 million to play the game. And then Miami also played for all travel expenses, which is roughly forty grand I To mean, go down there and not just lose, but get thrown around. Get whipped. And I love what Rick Stockstill said, and he is telling the absolute truth about that game. Mm-hmm. It, this was not some end-of-game, fluky, fumble recovery for a touch. They beat them start to finish. The moment of the game to me was... I think Miami had it fourth and goal from the three, and they throw incomplete, or the three or the two, and then they t- it was a 98-yard touchdown. Yes. MTSU takes over at their two, and they immediately go for the jugular. 98-yard touchdown. That's where I thought, okay, you know, maybe they're going to get them a stop now. They're going to try to run it out of the shadow of their own goal post. Miami's going to get the ball, start something offensively. It's going to be a close finish. When that happened... You knew it was Middle's night, and it um, was it was just not going to happen for the Hurricanes. And Middle's doing this with a true freshman wide receiver, uh, Elijah Metcalf, who he became the first FBS player with three 65-yard touchdown passes. Excuse me, that's Chase Cunningham, their, their quarterback. Since Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, did this for Nebraska whenever they beat uh, the Kansas Jayhawks in 2006. The, the, in their in their uh, power five, their first power five opponent to throw that, those type of deep passes and big touchdown plays. The blue Raiders did that to the hurricanes after the hype. They've, you know, uh, hurricanes come vastly improved. Mario Cristobal, speaking of coaches getting paid, Mario Cristobal is doing that on South beach. They've got a, a quarterback that has the potential to be a first round pick in April's draft. 
and they look like they're on life support the last two weeks offensively. It's also just a good lesson of, you know, he takes over from Manny Diaz, and everything feels right about Mario Cristobal. South Florida guy, played at Miami, knows what the culture needs to be to bring back the U, and you get there, and there's something that feels comfortable about it. You hired away Oregon's coach to come there and get the job done, but there's a reason the job's open. Right, you remind Chad, you about that early on in a tenure that th- this is there's something off now uh, with Miami with this program. Consider for sure. how difficult this is to make a game so easy offensively. Middle scored 45 points. If you look at the box score, you will see the number 14. They only had 14 first downs the entire game, and they put up 45 on Miami. Big play capabilities. Boat race. Boat race. And again, went on the road in week one, got paid by James Madison like 700 grand. And James Madison did that to MTSU. Uh, and, and then James I, Madison to gets say paid I'm by Appalachian State. And to goes say I was stunned by that result. First quarter, a buddy of mine sends me a text because I'm watching CBS. I'm watching Tennessee and, and Florida and says, if you're not watching Middle on ACC Network, find it. And I found, I, was like, I did a double take at the score because they had just returned to pick six. At the time. And then they, they held on. They added to it. First win. It's kind of surprised me, too. First win over a, a top 25 opponent ever mm. for MTSU. Because they've but, had some nice wins well, in their history since they've been a, 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 an FBS school. So well, that you, kind of surprised me. That was their and first. even before that. Like, so I would rank it uh, personally. Their first win over Vanderbilt, to me, is the biggest football program victory uh, they had a running back by the name of Dewan Hicks. Quarterback was West Counts. Uh, they go the naked boot to put the game away on the road against an SEC opponent when they were working their way up to Division One at the time. Um, they won on the third time against Vandy on a block field goal, which was awesome. That yep. was a fun environment. But I would put the first win over Vandy, number one. Number two is probably Missouri, based on where Missouri was at the time. Not now. At the time, when they first entered the conference, they were going to the SEC championship game. So this is their – and I look at Miami and I think, well, it's on ACC Network, no fault of middle, by the way. I'm not sure how many people watch this live. And also, I did uh, – Miami, it counts. They're 25th in the country. They're not 25th in the country on Saturday. Far from it. Kansas is more deserving than Miami of the top 25. Well, then, Think about that. Yes, Absolutely. Fantastic, though, uh, all the way around with some of the upsets. Uh, Chat Notre Dame. We should mention Notre Dame getting it done against North Collins Carolina. Collins excited over here about his fighting Irish. Uh, Carolina. That, that was crazy because I think it was like 21 all, and I'm watching Tennessee, Florida, and I flip over a couple of commercial breaks later, and then suddenly the Irish are rolling and up big on North Carolina. Carolina's defense is truly pathetic. Gene Chizik probably needs to go back to TV <laughs> at this point. Well, I think he was very good on SEC Network. I think now may be the time to go right back into a television role. So the Notre Dame's offense looked competent, and this is an offense that has not looked competent. Um, we've seen Reese throwing stuff and shouting things in the uh, in the coordinator's box to his quarterback. Um, Notre Dame's offense was averaging less than 300 yards per game, and they put up 576 on Carolina Saturday. So. There's the ACC opponent in we, Carolina in a schedule that Notre Dame now plays. 
I, I know that North Carolina's defense is terrible, but Colin, we got to start working on a graphic of what Notre Dame's offense has done since Tommy Reese blew up on the quarterback <laughs> in that game. Because I know his stat line got a lot better oh. when he was going off on Drew Pine in that game. And there could be some you know miracle mojo going here for the Irish since that hey. blow-up moment by Tommy Reese. And the Irish towards were balanced. The quarterback they had a they're balanced offense better better. for the first time, too. That was also something that you're like, okay, maybe they're starting to turn a corner here. That's a big win for Freeman. You pointed that out last week in your top games because you wanted to see Marcus Freeman stack some wins and actually get some momentum behind a program that was off to a the worst start we've seen for a new head coach. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about it. it it's similar to, um, to A&M. You lose to an inferior opponent, and it feels like the entire season is over. But I, I thought this was an opportunity to show how that you know can be deceiving at times. And we're going to get into A&M Arkansas, another classic example of that. I think both A&M and Notre Dame recaptured their season a bit this weekend and, and what the possibilities could be moving forward. Because all that's really happened that's just been crazy is the home loss to Marshall. They lose to Ohio State. Everyone expected mm-hmm. that. They avoid a disaster against Cal. That's where it could have been really hairy for Marcus Freeman in year one. But now they beat North Carolina. Uh, they get uh, a week off, and then they're going to play BYU. Stanford, very winnable. Not, they're not very good. UNLV, not any good. They play Navy. They play Boston College. Point being, there's a chance here for some big wins down the road for Notre Dame. There's also some layup games for the Irish if they look that good offensively where the final record for Marcus Freeman may not look that bad by the end of the year. Yeah, where you will judge him based on the progression based, uh, instead of the start. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, if they're 7-5, and five, let's say, at season's end, well, that's not top five worthy what they were preseason, right? But at least you can look back and say, well, post-Marshall and that letdown, things weren't all that bad. You know, be, go in there and beat BYU at home with yeah. a week to prepare. But, you know, look good against Clemson. Uh, look good against USC at the end of the year. Win those games that are very winnable. Syracuse now so, suddenly looks like it's a tougher game on the road for Notre Dame. But UNLV, Stanford, Navy, Boston College, these are wins But the way for they, Notre Dame. Should be wins not for them. A win, Not a win. Winning matters. But the way they played against Ohio State, looks even better when the Buckeyes continue to roll through opponents the way they did that game against was Wisconsin. 28-0 quickly against yeah. Wisconsin. Um, A&M wins by two over Arkansas, 23-21. Sam Pittman discussing the offensive play calling after they started rolling up yards and points. So they go get points on their first two possessions. Third possession, uh, you've got Jefferson driving all the way down and then fumbling. But through the first three possessions, he had 154 of his total 276 yards on the day against the A&M defense. And then you have Sam Pittman discussing Kendall Bryles' offense. Quote, I didn't like the ones where we tried to stretch, where we lost a yard or two. I didn't like those passes we overthrew. I didn't like whenever we read inside zone and we got a yard. I didn't like those either. We've got an offensive coordinator, a damn good one. And whatever we decide to do, we do it as a staff. I wish it had worked but they worked in practice and I'm not questioning his calls. But the way he starts that answer, he's almost, if he's not questioning the calls, he's questioning the decision-making after the first three drives of the game by his quarterback on zone reads and other things there uh, where they're taking, you know, a two-yard loss instead of getting a yard and a half on the play. 
which is kind of the routine of what we've seen from Jefferson to this point throughout his career at Arkansas. It's a brutal loss for Arkansas yes. because they were in control of this game. It's 14 nothing. They're driving, and then the fumble and the return, which I think was probably the play of the weekend. Yeah, that, and the heads he up was not nature. the same after that play. Yeah, but the heads-up nature to just hand it to your teammate, and then they take off for the touchdown. That was – I mean, you knew that was going to be a pivotal play, obviously. That's a that's a 14-point swing. Should be 21 nothing Arkansas at that time, and it's, it's probably game 21-7. over. 21-7. Yeah, 21-7 at that point. Um, it's probably game over, but then it's 14-all after that play, and it was a completely different ball game from that point forward. So a brutal brutal loss for the Razorbacks. Then hitting the top of the goalpost or the upright where it did, knowing that if you just get a little bit more air on it and it goes over and even in line with it, mm-hmm. it's, gonna, it's, it's a good. good. It's good at that point. So that, that was tough. Career high, 159 yards for A-Chain. I've been screaming all offseason, let him be the bell cow. And uh, with Smith uh, unavailable, man, they A-Chain balled out in this game for A&M. And then their defense does what their defense does. I mean, A&M, they're not winning pretty. They're somehow winning at a higher clip than what you would expect without good quarterback play. And so they do get credit for that despite losing to Appalachian State. They routinely win games, their fair share of them, against quality opponents based on just how good and consistent their defense is. I like like Kentucky in many cases. Um, albeit, I think A&M's doing it against a much, much more difficult schedule on in most cases, in most seasons. Hit us up with your thoughts on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, uh, Aaron Judge still stuck at 60. We await 61. And we discuss Georgia Tech, who there's another power five with a coaching change. That's next on Outkick360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yankees fans continue to wait. Baseball fans continue to wait for Judge to hit 61. It's a matter of time, but... It didn't happen in 21 plate appearances over a homestand after he hit his 60th, and now the Yankees head to Toronto for a, a swing, a road swing there, uh, as we await history, Chad. I'll kick 360 rolls on. The, someone someone in Vegas put down 12 grand for him to hit one tonight on the road. That would be a big payday uh, if they did so. I think Davey was saying it's plus 170, so around 20,000. They'd probably win in return. Um, hilarious, by the way. When ESPN Network started going split screen on Saturday early in the day, yeah. when Judge was up, the response from Southern football fans <laughs> was just, I, I saw people saying, boy, I forgot how boring baseball was until ESPN forced me was, to watch. This was during the during Auburn the game. game, too. Auburn, Missouri. Auburn, Missouri. I think every ESPN channel, whatever, ESPN2, ESPNU, if you're watching ESPN, they went split screen for every at-bat for Judge. And people were angry about well, it, which was great to watch. For a it, short time, because uh, some of those plate appearances were quick. Well, here's, here's my question. When do you get nervous about it not happening? I would say mm. after this series. Yeah, if maybe. he goes through Toronto, where it doesn't happen, they have Baltimore coming to New York over the weekend. I wouldn't be nervous about that. 
What's well, up with the pitching? I only say that because it, it – it, is there a little added pressure, you know, at home? Does it add anything yeah. to it? Yeah, I mean, Does there was a circus matter? behind it. Does it even um, matter? And at some point, I mean, it. there's no way you don't think about ESPN cutting in on every channel every time you take the plate, right? Like, Yeah, I don't want to. You kind of know. The Maris family's there. They're waiting on the moment, too. It's. Um, I don't want to be an, an alarmist yet for those watching this thing. It's nah, not going to happen. It's happening. But I, th- there does come a time where you start to think, okay, been a, been a few days now. He it's seems not very happening. loose with it. If it's another, if it's another few days, I think you have to put it in the back of your mind at that point. Because then there's, do they have a three game well, series after that? Be six games left after this next series in their season. Six games. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's not like he's zero for twenty one in those plate appearances. I mean, he's hitting. No, he's doubling three he's doubles, things, yeah. a single. He's walked six times. Um, he's. Striking out, swinging, uh, one looking uh, on the first cut in yesterday or Saturday, excuse me, on on ESPN, and he's he's had four flyouts, including that one right at the warning track on Thursday night, which I mean, off the bat, it looked like it was crushed, and I thought I, everyone, including the Maris family, they had a, a replay of their reaction where they they thought it was gone. Yeah, that, that, I saw that one live, and it was crazy. Hey, how's this for a stat that just popped up? This is from Brian Howell, who covers Colorado. It says, from my research, th- this is the list of Power 5 teams that have started a season with four consecutive losses by 25-plus points. Okay. Tennessee in 1893, UCLA in 1921, Louisville in 1932, Virginia Tech in 1950, and Indiana in 1957, and now the 2022 Colorado Buffaloes. Add to that list. Four games in a row, consecutive losses by 25-plus for a Power 5 team. It, it could be worse. They're not Colorado State. Colorado State uh, blown out by MTSU in Week 2. Last week, Saturday, they lost to Sacramento State. Mm. Colorado State at home. Lost to Sacramento State 41 or 44-7. to seven. Sacramento State on the road. Well, that's another job that'll be open uh, for Colorado. Jeff Collins is out at Georgia Tech. We'll discuss that and some options and a big name that's being mentioned, but NFL headlines from week three when we return. Big takeaways next on Outkick 360.